Sutra 4 At other times, the self appears to assume the forms of the mental modifications. The white horse ran fast ahead, and we kept sight of it from the flaming jewel upon its back. The horse had galloped so far that it appeared like a north star. Meanwhile, I followed in its tracks with the two black cats. How are we supposed to make sense of this? Tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are, said forgiveness. What does that mean? Together, we are the morning star, said Mr. Kismet. As we journeyed toward the white horse, I could hear the priest pray. Even as I'd gone a great distance from him, I held my hands together in prayer, closed my eyes, and listened to his words while the wind of the white horse galloped upon its own way. Here I could relax from a rigid identity, and in this moment I began to feel at ease. The force of the white horse carried on all around when I surrendered so far that all I was left with was pure peace. As the third sutra states, the seer abides in its own true nature, the fourth sutra states, at other times the self assumes the forms of the mental modifications, said forgiveness. The higher self assumes the forms of the mental modifications? What does that mean? You seem to have lost your original identity since you've identified with your thoughts and body. Suppose I ask who you are. If you say, I am a man, you have identified yourself with a masculine body. If you say, I am a student, you could be identifying with the ideas gathered in your brain. If you say, I am a millionaire, you are identifying with your bank account. If a mother, with a child, a husband, with a wife. If you say, I am tall, I am short, I am black or white. This shows your identification with the shape and color of your body. But without any identifications, who are you? Have you ever thought about that? When you really understand that, you will see we are all the same. If you detach yourself completely from all the things you have identified yourself with, you realize yourself as the pure I. In that pure I, there is no difference between you and me. This is true not only with human beings, but with everything. You call something a dog because it has a dog's body. The spirit in a dog and a human is the same. The same is true even with the inanimate objects. There is the same spirit in a stone or a wall. If I use the term spirit or self, you might hesitate to believe me. But if the physicist says the wall is nothing but energy, you will believe that. So using the scientist's language, there is nothing but energy everywhere. Even the atom is a form of energy. The same energy appears in different forms to which we also have different names. So the form and name are just different versions of the same energy. And according to the yogic scientists such as Patanjali and even many modern scientists, behind the different forms of energy is one unchanging consciousness of spirit or self. That is why, 
If we could calm our minds and get to the basis of all these modifications, we would find the unity among everything. That is the real yogic life. That does not mean we are indifferent to the changes and become useless to the worlds. Instead, with this experience of universal unity, we function better. We still have happy and harmonious lives. Only then can we love our neighbors as ourselves. Otherwise, how is it possible? If I identify myself with my body, I will also see another person as a body, and the two bodies cannot be one. They will always be different. If I identify myself with my mind, nobody can have a mind exactly like mine. No two individuals have the same body or mind, even twins, even to the extent of the half-inch square thumb. We are not the same. Ask the fingerprint experts. They will tell you that no two fingerprints are the same. But behind all these differences, in the self or soul, we never differ. That means, behind all these ever-changing phenomena is a never-changing one. That one appears to change due to our mental modifications. So, by changing your mind, you change everything. If only we could understand this point, we would see there is nothing wrong outside. It is all in the mind. By correcting our vision, we correct things outside. If we can cure a jaundiced eye, nothing will look yellow. But without correcting the jaundice, however much we scrub the outside things, we are not going to make them white or blue or green. They will always be yellow. That's why yoga is based on self-reformation, self-control, and self-adjustment. When this reformation is accomplished, we will see a new world, a harmonious and happy world. That's why we should always keep ourselves free from these wrong identifications, said forgiveness. So by changing the mind, we change all things? Is this type of harmony the end of our search that exists behind our own very skin? Well, it depends how you think, because in my beginning is my end. In succession, houses rise and fall, crumble, are extended, are removed, destroyed, restored, or in their place is an open field, or a factory, or a bypass. Old stone to a new building, old timber to new fires, old fires to ashes, and ashes to the earth, which is already flesh, fur, and faces, bone of man and beast, cornstalk and leaf. Houses live and die. There is a time for building, and a time for living, and a time for generation, and a time for the wind to break the loosened pane, and to shake the windskit where the field mice trot, and to shake the tattered eras woven with a silent motto. In order to arrive there, to arrive where you are, to get from where you are not, you must go by a way wherein there is no ecstasy. In order to arrive at what you do not know, you must go by a way which is the way of ignorance. In order to possess what you do not possess, you must go by the way of dispossession. In order to arrive at where you are not, you must go through the way in which you are not. And what you do not know is the only thing you know. And what you own is what you do not own, and where you are is where you are not. 
So here I am, in the middle way, having had years, years largely wasted, the years in between two wars, trying to learn the use of words, and every attempt is a wholly new start and a different kind of failure, because one has only learned to get the better of words, for the thing one no longer has to say, or the way in which one is no longer disposed to say it, and so each venue is a new beginning, a raid on the inarticulate, with shabby equipment always deteriorating, in the general mess of imprecision of feeling, undisciplined squads of emotion, and what there is to conquer by strength and submission has already been discovered, once or twice or several times by men whom one cannot hope to emulate, but there is no competition. There is only the fight to recover what has been lost and found, and lost again and again. And now, under conditions that seem unpropitious, but perhaps neither gain nor loss. For us, there is only the trying. The rest is not our business. Home is where one starts from. As we grow older, the world becomes stranger, the pattern more complicated of dead and living. Not the intense moment isolated, with no before and after, but a lifetime burning in every moment, and not the lifetime of one man only, but of old stones that cannot be deciphered. There is a time for the evening under starlight, a time for the evening under lamplight. Love is most nearly itself, where here and now cease to matter. Old men ought to be explorers, here and there does not matter. We must be still and still moving into another intensity for a further union, a deeper connection through the dark cold and empty desolation, the wave cry, the wind cry, the vast waters of the petrel and the porpoise. In my end is my beginning, said forgiveness. At the end of that verse, the sight of my grave had disappeared, and as the cats and I continued, I began to imagine that white horse, but the horse did not appear. If power was truly in the mind, then what was I trying to find? That horse had run far away, and instead of hoping that it would come back, I began to dream that my path would align the right way. And so I imagined we were in an oasis, and this was somewhere completely new. The cats and I ran so far that I'd wondered if my own mind had crafted this reality from situations I'd previously been going through. The horse was long gone, and so was the casket, but there in front of us was a new set of train tracks. It was like something you might dream, but not a sound rejoiced, so I knew this couldn't be heaven. Maybe it was purgatory, since these train tracks were empty. But then I saw a girl appear and walk in from the other direction. Hey, do I know you? She was on the other side of the tracks, and when I first spoke, she appeared somewhat alarmed. Then she pointed and said, Is that a tattoo of a map upon your arm? She came a bit closer, and we met in the middle of the train tracks. She had come from the other side, and wherever I had been lost was not a place where I wanted to go back. Captivated by her presence, there was a map of earth upon my left arm. An old tattoo of pigment had been etched into my soul, 
the same way a certain cow might be marked at the farm. Then I looked to her arm, and she had pigment too. Here and now was written down, and I recognized those words. Ram Dass spoke that truth. Now who are you, and what do you do? I teach, she said. Teach what? I teach yoga, but some know it as union. It's a practice of balance, breath, and devotion. But I myself? I'm a yogini, since I am a woman. But who are you? I am you looking back, said the yogini. And who are you? I'm dead. They buried my body, and I must have gone insane. I heard that the seer is the true self, but I seem to be wrapped up in the illusions growing out from my brain. So you don't know what's happening, she said. Do you? Awakening is letting go of everything you are not, in order to discover who you truly are. We are the seer, the soul, and so the highest self is who we are, she said. Then what was your past life? Life isn't what you or anyone thinks it is, rather it is how you live. Life isn't measured by what you define it as, rather it just is, said the yogini. So who are you? I am true, but let's be real. Now how are you? And don't just say good, but how are you feeling really, she said. Honestly, I'd gone quite silly, because how do you respond when someone says quite directly, now how are you really? Beyond my sudden death and burial, I wonder if I'm caught in a maze. The last thing I can remember is working in the world before they buried me in my grave. Oh, so you just left corporate too? The Yogini paused. Well, did you quit or did they kick you out? Because I just left my corporate job and I'm waiting for the next train so that my spirit gets on the best route. I've been waiting all my life and I'm certain the spirit works for those who are devoted lovers. You see, I've been dedicated to the spirit since I jumped off the corporate train and I've been using my energy to serve all others. Seva is what you call it. And I'm sure the spiritual train is coming here soon. I heard this one takes you to the treasure, she said. You mean the spiritual bounty and boon? Well, how long have you been waiting? It looks like a train hasn't come this way in years. I can see cobwebs over the tracks. This is definitely a railroad, but what happens if the train never appears? This train is coming. Imagine it like a pathway within the mind. We just have to call it from within, and the spirit will lead us to whatever we're trying to find, she said. What's your deal? What are you in on? Seva, to serve others through yoga, community, and breath. I want to help elevate the potential of others and spread the illumination that transcends death, she said. And what comes after death? The rest, she expressed. Is that right? And who are you again? You'll never guess, she said. Well, now I had to do my best, and so I sized her up and down. Oh, she was beautiful and divine. She was radiant, optimistic, and very selfless. She was the hardest type of girl to find. But when I opened my mouth to tell her, I was blocked when an annoyance of sound covered my mouth and mind. Huh? Did you hear that? <laughs> she laughed. After death, it doesn't matter what you think of me, because you don't decide who I am. 
after death, all that matters is how you are. So it doesn't matter if you died as a child, creature, plant, or human, because the soul goes on forever, she said. I don't understand. You don't get to define me or anyone else, just like I can't define you, but rather my life will define the path of my higher self. We are who we are, and that is that. I see you've got a couple of furry friends too. Did you know I also adopted one named Miss Ivy Cat? She said. A black and white cat jumped up and landed on her shoulder. Now this woman appeared to be younger than me, but did it matter after death if I was that much older? Now I could use my mind to think, and so I began to bring my awareness upon each of her unique features. She had many arms, and each limb balanced a specific object that was joined into a woman's body who wore the head of a creature. Her head took the shape of a gazelle or an African deer, and it had just now hit me how bizarre a soul's profile could appear. In her various hands, she held a balanced disc spinning, a lotus, a conch shell, a bow, a phone, and lastly she held a yoga mat. She was a teacher, but somehow I couldn't tell her who she was. Even though I wanted to use words and tell her, I could only express my interpretation of her through actions of love. Feeling quite close to this woman, it was as if I'd known her for some years, or maybe we met in a distant life. But how had I become so unaware? I gazed into her eyes. Still, I couldn't tell who she was. Yet I know she was a spirit soul, and so she was a pure expression of love. I told you you wouldn't guess it, she said. But why can't I explain it to you from the way I see it over here? I don't see the problem with me telling you who I think you are, because it's nothing to fear. Because after death, your judgments, opinions, and interpretations barely matter. The truth is one, paths are many, and we are our own seer, who really is the master. You are in charge of your soul, just like I'm in charge of mine. But that doesn't mean our purpose won't bring us to the same train station, because often two people on the same path will walk side by side. Both of us together, two partners as one, you are what you become, which isn't necessarily where you're from. Once I was human, but I died to my lower self. I realized the seer lives within, and so I discovered that the spiritual source is woven through everyone else. Now I take this form, but this form is not what you think of me. Rather, I am it, because the soul is the source of vision that our awareness sees. I am on a journey and that path is to become liberated and freed. I am going to serve others and help those with their yogic and healing needs. There is no one word to describe me, since no word will limit what I am here to do. You may think of me however you wish, but your thoughts do not create what I am, since who I am is true," said the yogini. Yes, I totally agree. I thought of calling her a certain name. This was an idea from a past life, but when I tried to pronounce it, well, it didn't come out right. Again, I was blocked, and there was nowhere for these thoughts to speak out which I couldn't quite know. As if the voice had gone away, I would not limit any perspective of her soul which had come to grow. At times she wore wings, a 
Other times she had the legs of an ox. She shifted her form so much through yogic asanas, which were postures she navigated her spiritual body into using a yoga mat, a bolster, a strap, or some blocks. Now tell me, how are you really? said the yogini. Right now, I feel like I'm stuck in the middle of another story. I can barely explain it, but it's a lot like a complex allegory. I take scripture and mix it with modern day parables, and sometimes I forget why I've arrived. I'm never quite sure how to unscramble the knots in my brain, because I think I went through something traumatic when my old body had to die. I barely remember anything, except for a white horse. Why, just a moment ago, the cats and I were chasing after it because it was such a powerful force. It could be a spiritual symbol of your soul, like the mother's intuition. Maybe that horse is leading you home to the spiritual source that many call heaven, she said. Huh? Don't you know where you are? she asked. I took a look at the oasis, then I checked on the empty train tracks. I looked down to the tattoo on my arm, but I had no clue where I was on this map. Well, I suppose neither of us can grasp our ultimate nature. Maybe that's why we're here. I guess that's why both of us carry the sutras, because things aren't always as they appear, she said. Now that I realize it, I haven't seen myself since I died. There's no body of mine when I look down, and nothing above when my eyes rise. When I turn behind me, it seems I'm as good as gone. And when I try to feel around, well, it's as if something has gone terribly wrong. I can't find my form, but I know I'm right here. But every time I look for my body, nothing appears. Hush, hush. There's no reason to embody fear. Don't you remember the sutras? We are the spiritual seer, she said. But I don't know who or where I am. Well, think of the Force Sutra. At other times, the self assumes the forms of the mental modifications, she said. So I am what I think? Sometimes, but other times we just are. I sense you're beginning to remember that we've met before, but the last time I met you, I think you had the appearance of a jaguar, she said. But what am I now, and why can't I see? Because we can't limit the appearance of ourself. And once you remember, then you're on the way to being freed, she said. I could study her form, and I sensed she was studying mine. But I did not understand why I couldn't articulate what I'd become, because I seemed to be stuck and tangled in the mind. My awareness looked to her wrist, and there that phrase tattooed on her could have been a vow. I spoke aloud and asked, it says here and now, from Ram Dass, You've heard of him before. He is a soul that I adore, she said. And about the sutras you carry, I'm reading the same book. I heard it explains that the threads can go beyond death. Yes, it seems that the book arrives when the soul is determined to find union with the higher self, she said. What's the higher self? Peace of mind. It's connected to the purpose you're trying to find. Just like you said, if you feel like you're trapped in a story, the right train will arrive to help you navigate through the allegory, she said. I took a peek, but these train tracks hadn't been used in years. 
What if we spend our time waiting for something that never quite appears? That's because you've got to manifest your reality. And then you'll see, it happens when you least expect it. But this train is on the way, and it's coming to deliver us, so that all of us can be freed, she said. What? How? Don't you know how manifesting turns into reality? Place the idea in your mind, bring it to life, then it appears, and that's called alchemy, she said. Alchemy? This is nonsense. Otherwise, you'd be able to explain how. She held up the tattoo on her wrist. I use the secrets of the here and now, she said.